I love that line in that song, as you left the grave, so will I. And it reminds me of the words of Paul as he talks about wanting to know the power of the resurrection. And you and I live in the resurrection life that God can bring things in our lives that are dead, that are heading towards decay or destruction and bring life. That's what that means. You and I have that uh, ability through Christ Jesus. My name is Craig Case. I'm the lead pastor here at Maple Grove Covenant. And uh, right now in our service with lights and air conditioning, this is a July slash Christmas miracle. Uh, we got uh, here this morning, we had, uh, in fact, all we had was the AC running. There was no lights. Uh, soundboard was not working. We had some uh, problems with our breakers, but um, it's so cool. In fact, uh, um, I, was, I was really worried about just the lighting and uh, and it would have been neat to just have like our cell phones and flashlights and stuff. It's like a concert, right? Um, I'm just back actually from a study week. I went up north and spent um, five solid days in prayer, planning out the sermon series from September through uh, all the way through uh, next August. And it was a very productive time. And I'm really excited, and I'll share more coming up. But uh, we'll be doing a series in the book of Ephesians, New Testament book of Ephesians in the fall. And then we'll do Christmas, of course. And then uh, for three months, we'll be in the book of Exodus, Exodus. I'm so excited about that story. And it leads so perfectly up to Easter as well. And then um, we're going to do a series on words that you and I have the opportunity to give life or death to people through the power of our words. And then we'll spend the summer in the Psalms. So it's a little bit of an overview of uh, what's coming up. And then also... I plan, uh, worked on our uh, calendar events uh, over the course of the next year as well, so it was a very beneficial week. And also, um, I just want to pray for us, and uh, then we'll uh, continue. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. And God, as we sang about um, how a child is so precious to you, um, I think of uh, the families and the children uh, who are in detention centers as we speak. And Lord, as we've seen images um, for us as the church, as uh, followers of Jesus Christ, um, our heart breaks uh, with your heart when we ask the question, how do you want us uh, to join you in, um, in uh, acts of compassion? We think of refugees and asylum seekers as well around the world, and we're reminded in the scriptures of how many, so many people who are followers of God were refugees. And Lord, our heart goes out to them, the least, the lost, and the lonely. So God, um, use this time today, to, uh, today as we open up your word, and I pray that you'd speak to us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're going to take a break from our series on Romans 12. If you were gone last week, and that was about half of you, um, we're doing a series called We is Greater Than Me, and that's our series in Romans chapter 12, one of the most prolific one of the most uh, powerful chapters in the Bible, and it begins with, and so, this New Living Translation, and so, my uh, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what he's done for you. If you didn't get a chance uh, to read those uh, first two verses, I want to challenge you to memorize Romans chapter 12, because my last sermon on that uh, will be September 1st, and I'm actually going to uh, share it by memory, Hopefully. <laughs> but uh, each week I'm just going to be working on memorizing that chapter because there's so much good in there. It's about community. It's about community. We live in a culture of individualism, and we is greater than me, and that uh, book is so helpful in guiding us. 
Well, this morning we have a guest preacher in our midst. Uh, she's, I've known her since she was 22 years old as an intern at Wooddale. And I was at one of Wooddale church plants in Chanhassen called Westwood as a youth pastor. And I had her come and speak at one of my retreats. And I had her come back a few times as well. And she's been on staff not only at Wooddale, but also uh, Woodridge, uh, Eagle Brook, and also Grace Church. And right now uh, she's taking a break uh, from church work and seeing what God has for her and her husband, Adam. They're two kids, Ryan and Hannah. And raise your hands, and, and not raise your hands, but bring your hands together and clap for a sister from a different, different mister. <laughs> Joelle Hassler. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you guys. So I was, ta- I was telling Pastor Craig this morning that um, I was 22 when we met, and he was the first person to ever invite me to preach anywhere <laughs> other than the church I was interning at. And so um, my thanks to you is for believing in me a really long time ago. And I get to be here with you all this morning. I have been here one other time. Were any of you here when I preached the last time? I think it was like 2015. And um, actually, Pastor Craig's been inviting me back every year. <laughs> and I, I got sick for a couple of years and I haven't been able to do it. So it's been like so fun for me to think about being back here with you this morning. So um, I, I was in student ministries for many, many years, and I might have said this last time I was here, but whenever I preach to adults, I wonder like, what's going on with you guys? <laughs> like when I preach to students, they like, if I'm doing bad, they really like look like they're sleeping. And if I'm doing great, they're like really with me. But for adults, I don't know what's happening. Like you seem to just sit there and it could be going great or it could be, doing, it could be going terrible and I have no idea <laughs> the whole time. So perhaps, I can't even see all of you in the back, but perhaps like you could just give me a little this morning, okay? Like just a little like if I smile or something, if it goes well. Does that sound great? Thanks. <laughs> okay, I want to start with a question this morning. And the question is, are you a morning person? Okay, can you raise your hand if you're a morning person? Some of you said sometimes. Okay. So if you're a morning person, I greatly admire you. I think you have like a step up on life over the rest of us because I am not a morning person. I am a night person. I love the night. Between 10 and midnight, I get a lot of stuff done. And I love to sleep in in the morning. But I learned many, many years ago that It is very difficult to be a functioning adult and not like mornings. The adult world system was built around people who do mornings well. Why is that is a question that I have. The morning people are like stronger leaders and they just said, we are starting at 7 a.m. and that's it. I'm not sure because the sleepy people did not win and whoever was designing adulting many, many years ago. But I have learned that morning and adulting just go hand in hand. So I developed a system for myself to help my mornings work many years ago, okay? And this is how the system goes. My alarm goes off. I set one because otherwise I wouldn't get up. My alarm goes off. I press snooze. Anyone else press snooze? Okay, my snooze goes for nine minutes. Is that the universal amount of time for snooze? Nine minutes? Why is that? There's another question I have. Let's talk later about that if you know the answer. Okay, nine minutes. And during those nine minutes, I decided that would be my daily planning time. 
So for the nine minutes of this snooze, I don't go back to sleep, but I'll lay there with my eyes closed and I will map out my day. I will say like, okay, this chunk of time is going to be for meetings. This chunk of time is going to be for phone calls, answering emails. I'll make dinner at this time and kind of like my whole day flow will go. That's also time for me to think through if I have any like difficult conversations I have to have with anybody, any apologies I need to make, or if I need to help my kids, like coach my kids on something, I will think through how I'm going to go about those conversations. Now that seems like a lot to get done in nine minutes. So then when my alarm goes off again, if I'm not done, I'll press news again, okay? But my max time is 18 minutes. And then I make a deal with myself that then my feet have to hit the ground. And I get up and I go for my day. Now, maybe you guys are like that too. Maybe you are planners. And you wake up in the morning. And if you're a morning person, maybe you get up and you make your coffee and you make your plans for the day. Maybe some of you lay in bed like I do. But I think all of us, when we get up, we think about like, what is the day going to be like? And maybe we make a mini plan for ourselves. And I think most of us actually dare to hope that the plans we have for our day will go well, will go according to plan. But unfortunately, as long as I've been alive, I have never had a day go exactly the way I planned it to go. There's always like something that happens where I get in the car and it it doesn't have enough gas and I have to stop at the gas station and I'm a few minutes late or my meeting gets switched to a different room and I didn't get the memo or a conversation I plan to go quickly takes a little bit extra time. And that just happens to us where the things that we plan don't go perfectly. This happened to me recently. I am home for the summer with my kids. They're seven and nine, Hannah and Ryan. Uh, This is them at Ryan's baseball game. It was his second win of the year, okay? We only won two games the whole year, so she's congratulating him. But anyway, okay, so Ryan and Hannah, I made plans. I woke up one day, I had made plans for us. This is what we're going to do. So in my mind, we were going to take a bike ride. There was going to be some chores. There was going to be some pool time. We were going to hit the grocery store and make dinner before their dad got home from work. That was the plan. I was very happy with my plan. I came down the stairs to introduce the plan to my children, and this is how they were on the couch. This is them um, all snuggled up watching uh, try to make you laugh videos on YouTube. Do you know about those? They're just ridiculous clips of things that don't make you laugh at all, but my kids think they're really funny. And when I suggested to them these were the things we were going to do throughout our day, this was the look that they gave me. And I realized that my plan was going to come with resistance, (laughs) like a lot of resistance. And I was perhaps going to have to make some changes in my plan. Now, I don't know about you, but when things don't go the way that I have planned them to go, the first thing that I tend to lose is my patience. It's actually not something that I love to admit, but I, it doesn't come naturally to me to, me to like take a deep breath and think about the big picture and calm down. Like that's not my natural inclination. My natural inclination is to try to like make it work so that the day goes the way that I planned it to go. But I wish that wasn't true. I wish that patience was my go-to response when the lines are long or when traffic is really bad. And there must be a trick to this because I have seen many patient people around town, (laughs) even like all summer with their tiny children. I've seen them exercising a whole bunch of patients. So this is what I want to suggest to you this morning. I want to suggest that we go on a little journey together and study what the Bible has to say about patience. 
so that we can learn together how God might coach us to have some natural patience kind of grow up and flourish inside of us so that when the lines are long or we get a mean comment from a coworker or our day doesn't go as planned, our response is to be patient. Are you willing to go on that journey with me? Sounds fun, doesn't it? Let me pray. I just want to ask God to be a part of this conversation and then um, we'll continue. God, as you know, patience doesn't come easily for me. And there might be others in the room that that's true as well. Today we want to learn from you and we don't want to leave here the same. So would you um, speak to us today in a profound way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to anchor our study today in two places in the Bible, Galatians 5 and John 15. So Galatians is a book of the Bible written by the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Some of you might be familiar with him. He was like a Jesus hater turned Jesus follower and missionary. He started telling everybody about who Jesus was and that they should follow him after he had a big conversion experience. He was also kind of a straight shooter, as far as I can tell, and a leader of leaders, and so I really like him. Just to be honest, I just really like him. So when we read in Galatians 2, uh, Galatians 5, um, we're going to just pick up a little bit of what he's putting down for us about this idea of patience. We're going to be in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and it'll be on the screen for you. It says, uh, Paul writes this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So these verses fall towards the end of Paul's letter to the people in Galatia, and he's trying to tell them what life could be like if they made a decision to follow Jesus. If If they said, hey, I am going to be a follower of Jesus, he's telling them the Holy Spirit will come and be inside of you, and he will produce something inside of you that is like fruit. And that fruit is this. And then he lists it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did anyone else learn the song about those? That's how I memorized all of those. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about why did Paul use fruit as his analogy instead of donuts? Because when I'm thinking about something that I want in my life that is delicious and desirable, donuts are my go-to. Perhaps I would, I would go to apple pie. That's probably my second go-to delicious and desirable thing. But for some reason, Paul chose fruit And as I was thinking about this, I remembered when I've been on some of those low sugar or no sugar diets, have you ever done these, where you're eating just like meat and vegetables all week, and then someone offers you a banana, and your mouth begins to like salivate over the idea of a banana. And I was like, that's what it was. Like, they must not have had a lot of donuts and apple pie, and they only had fruit, and so that is why he chose fruit. So that was my... That's how I got to why I think he used fruit as an analogy. Okay, I totally digress. But the point is this, that what Paul was saying was that what the Holy Spirit produces inside of us is really good. Super, super good. And I think we could all agree that this list is impressive. Like if somebody was making a list about you and they said, here are the qualities of this person and that was the list, you would be like, I have arrived. Like I did it. Love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, self-control. I think we could all agree this is stuff we all want. And then look, there's that word, 
patience. It's right there in the list of the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in people who have made a decision to follow Jesus. Apparently, if we allow him to, God will increase our patience. According to Paul, it's possible for anyone who follows Jesus to have an abundance of patience fruit in their life. Here's how I would say it. Patience is possible. This is just a good reminder to me. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, there are moments in my life where I am just like, I am not sure patience is possible. In fact, I will give myself excuses as to why I do not need to be patient in any given circumstance. But that's not what Paul's saying here. In fact, I want to take it one step further. I was really praying about this, you guys. And as I was praying about it, I felt like God was really clear with me. And, and I want to suggest that patience isn't just possible but that it should be expected and anticipated in the life of anyone who follows Jesus. It's one of the attributes that the Holy Spirit will produce in us. And this is so good. This is such good news. Because if you are are known to be short-tempered or easily aggravated or frazzled by sudden changes in circumstances, you can expect for that to start changing. You should expect to become long-tempered and unfrazzled and difficult to aggravate. You can expect for people to notice that difference in you because patience is one of the pieces of outward evidence that that God is at work in your life. Now, maybe you're thinking, that sounds very good, but also a very big stretch, (laughs) Joel-like. Maybe I could expect patience, but it's going to be at least 15 years before patience shows up as a fruit in my life. Maybe you feel like your patience fruit has been like lacking sunlight or water or something, and you're like, it's stunted. My growth is stunted in patience. And if that's you, that's okay, because I think Paul understood that that's what the people in Galatia would think too. So I want to go back a few verses to see how Paul sets up this whole conversation about the fruit Uh, We're going to be in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 5. He says, he explains why it's difficult to be patient. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Here's Paul giving me some excuses, right? I really like this part of Galatians 5 because I want to say like, okay, Paul, I'm with you now. Because this is him explaining why we have so much trouble producing all of that fruit and especially patience in our lives. This also proves why it's good to read the Bible like in order and not backwards like I'm doing with you right now. If you ever find yourself, you're reading a little part of the Bible and you're like, I don't get this. Just like go back a little bit and then read that part right before because a lot of times it sets it right up for you. And this is what Paul says. He says, the reason we struggle with patience and perhaps the other fruit is because we're in a battle. He says, the two forces are constantly fighting one another. The sinful nature that we're all born with that shows up like loud and clear when we're toddlers, right? And we won't share when we want our own way. That, that sinful nature that's inside of us when we're, when we're born, when we're little, grows up with us, 
right next to the fruit that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce inside of us. And then when a moment comes where patience is needed, they battle each other. And our sinful nature tries to choke out our patience fruit. And it is an all-out battle. It made me think of that show, The Voice, where they have, you guys watch other shows? They have those battles where it's just one-on-one, and they both sing the song, and then at the end, one of them goes home. It is sad. (laughs) Same idea. When your sinful nature is battling your patience fruit, somebody wins, and the other one goes home. And what we want is for our patience fruit to win every time. I remember, I'll tell this story quickly, but I remember this time when my patients battled my sinful nature. I had trained with some friends for the inline marathon in Duluth. This is 26 miles on rollerblades, people, okay? I just really never want to run a marathon, but I wanted to say I had gone that far or something, so I was like, let's do it on wheels. So, A bunch of my friends, we got together. We were planning to train. We trained for months, but we had one friend, and I'm going to call her Sarah, just in case. Okay. (laughs) Sarah said, there is no need to train for the inline marathon. It is so easy to rollerblade 26 miles. I do not need to train. You would think she was an athlete, but she was not an athlete. She was just a regular person, and she did not train at all. She mocked us every time we went out for our training blades. What do you call it? rolls. We glided. Okay, whenever we trained, she was mocking us. We got to the day of the race. We all dressed up in Hawaiian gear. We were at the start of the race. We were ready to go. We take off. She takes off way in front of us. Just to prove that she didn't need to train and it's super easy, she decides she's going to beat us, all of us that had trained together. And we're just like, hey, come back. But she's like having none of it. So she's way ahead of us. And we're rollerblading the 26 miles. We get to the very end of the race. There's no hills at all until the very end. We're at the top of the last hill. And we come across Sarah. And she's throwing up on the side of the road. And it was violent, okay? And in this moment, we had to decide if we were going to stop and wait for our friend or if we were going to do what my sinful nature wanted to do, which was like roll on past, right, into the finish line, right, on pace with what we had trained for. But instead, we chose to stop, hold her hair, and let her finish the throwing up, and then we crossed the finish line together. It was a battle between my sinful nature and the fruit of patience that God is trying to develop in my life. And maybe you have faced similar situations where patience battles impatience in your life, and there's injustice involved. And that can be the very worst kind. And maybe you're, you're facing that not just like once in your lifetime, but maybe you face that every day with a coworker or a friend or a neighbor or maybe even someone who lives inside of your house. And if that is what you are facing, then at least after you leave today, you'll know you're not alone. But I hope also you'll know what Paul tells us, which is that patience is possible. And not only that, but that eventually, because patience is a desirable fruit that God's growing inside of us, patience can be enjoyed and not just endured. We won't always have to grit our teeth and fight through to be patient. Eventually, it will become more natural for us, and we will even enjoy being patient. Can you imagine 
enjoying patience? I know some of you can. So now that we know why patience doesn't come easily for us because there's a battle raging on inside of us, now we need to know how are we supposed to help this patience fruit grow within us. We want it to grow up so strong that our sinful nature will have no chance (laughs) when we face something difficult in our lives. And so that we can learn to enjoy patience and not just endure it. And for that, we need to go to another passage in the Bible. We're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. This is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John was a very close follower of Jesus, and he's recording Jesus' words here. And Jesus is talking about fruit and how we grow it. So lean in and pay attention here. This is what Jesus says. He says, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Here Jesus is teaching his followers simply how to be fruitful, and it is not complicated. He says this one line, remain in me and I will remain in you. It is that connection to Jesus that makes all the difference when it comes to the fruit that we are growing in our life. Now, he's using a vine analogy here, and I just went to the store and bought a vine because I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't look at vines a lot. I don't think about vines a lot. I couldn't find a grapevine, but this mandevilla will do great. Isn't it beautiful? But I, this is what I want you to look at here. When you have a vine, and there is like this main part of the vine. Let me do one with the flowers on it, okay? And you have a beautiful flower. Imagine this is the fruit that Jesus is talking about. If you remove this branch from the vine, what is going to happen to this flower? It is going to die. I literally asked my kid this last night. I said, like, what will happen to this flower? Everyone knows this will die. It is gorgeous right now. It is bringing enjoyment to everyone is looking at it. And that is this. This is actually sad. I took off so many. Wasn't that? Okay. But if you you remove yourself from the vine, you literally can't grow the fruit anymore. I know this is simple. It's not complex. But that's why Jesus taught it this way, so we would get it. If we want to grow the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, all we have to do is remain connected to the vine. And Jesus says, he's the vine. He's the one. So what what can we do? Like, how can we actually grow the fruit of patience in our life? The first thing we can do is stay connected to Jesus. Remember how I mentioned that I learned for the purpose of adulting, that mornings have to happen and that I use my snooze time to plan my day? Well, that's actually true how I started out. But over time, I realized that the nine minutes could actually be better spent talking to Jesus and connecting with the vine than just thinking through how I would strategize my own day. And so even if it's only a couple of minutes before my mind starts to wander... Those first two or three minutes are a commitment to me to connect with Jesus first. And I just wrote out like how I think that might look for every one of us who are in the room today. Perhaps when you wake up in the morning, your alarm wakes you up. 
and you don't grab your phone. You don't grab your phone. You hop out of bed if you're a morning person or not. You spend the next two to three minutes connecting with Jesus. Maybe you're a 30-minute person. If so, yes, do that. But at least two to three minutes just saying to Jesus how good he is. Just thanking him for being in your life. Maybe you open a Bible to a gospel and you read about his life or his teachings. You tell him what you're worried about. You pray for someone significant in your life. You ask him to help you see things the way he sees them. And you ask him for opportunities to serve and give and love. And you don't say it in like a formal way that sounds like it could be put into, you know, to music and put up on the screen on a Sunday, but like real raw conversation with God. You're honest with him about your struggles and your insecurities and you ask for strength. And then at the end of your two or three minutes, you just say amen, which is just like, yes, Lord, (laughs) let it be that way. And then you do whatever else comes next in your day. And I'm suggesting this because I've been a follower of Jesus a very long time. I know exactly how life goes when I skip connecting to the vine and when I don't skip it. When I strategize and when I try to execute my plans for my life and I try to just muscle the fruit up inside of me, I just remember some books I've read. Every time I do that from my own strength, it fails. And every time I just skip all that and just spend the time saying, Jesus, I love you. Guide me today. Give me your eyes and your heart. The day goes not the way I planned, but totally connected to him and absolutely the way he plans. And weirdly, this two to three minute habit, I work in pretty small chunks now in my, in my life, it actually comes back in the middle of my day often where I'm like in my car and I'm like, I have a few minutes and I reconnect with the vine in that moment. Or I'm walking into a meeting and I want to be godly in the meeting and I spend that 30 seconds reconnecting to Jesus. Or I'm about to enter a difficult conversation and I just say, Jesus, let my words be your words. And the vine connection thing just flows all day long. That's the first idea that Jesus gives us for developing patience in our life. Here's the second tip tip he gives us. He says we should allow for pruning. This is how Jesus says it. He says, I'm the grapevine and my father's the gardener and he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that will produce even more. It turns out that this patience battle is very difficult to win when there's a bunch of other things in our life weighing us down. And I'm not just talking about sin, things that we do that are wrong, but also a whole bunch of other factors in our life that keep us from producing fruit. It can be over busyness. It can be stress. It can be unhealthy friendships that we allow in our life or not dealing with past hurt. And these kinds of dead branches that are hanging on and trying to like suck the life out of us and keep us from producing fruit make it very difficult to be patient. That is why Jesus suggests we should let God prune those branches right out of our life. I recognize that I need pruning whenever I use the Darth Vader voice with my kids. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm in the target. We're together. We're gathering the items. If I'm in a good, in my good place, and I don't need a lot of pruning, and they start doing things, grabbing the cocoa pebbles, putting it in the cart, I say, this is your first warning. You have two more warnings, and then there'll be some consequences. When I need some pruning, and there is too much stress, or I'm too busy, or something is bad happening in my life, then I bring out the Darth Vader voice, and the first thing that they do wrong, I call them, I say, can you come over here really close? You have to get very close because no one is allowed to hear the Darth Vader voice except them. And then I get down real close to him and I say, you better stop what you're doing or you're going to walk home. And I use this like, it's, it doesn't sound like Darth Vader, I know, but just one of my friends called it Darth Vader voice one time and I was like, yes, that's it. I'm, I'm serious. Like the Darth Vader voice comes out and it's like immediate conviction and I'm like, I, I, need, some, I need some pruning. And maybe you have kids and you use that voice. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just short with people or you use sarcasm or you ignore them. And when those things show up in your life, it should be like light bulbs going off saying like, hey, I could use some pruning. And you say to God, like, what needs to be pruned so that my natural response is patience? I'm just going to ask you, what do you have in your life that you could ask God to start pruning today? I'm not even going to suggest what it might be because you probably already know. But once you know what it is, then maybe it would be helpful to just give yourself permission to say no to that thing or to book a therapy session or to put a boundary up in an unhealthy relationship or to just go for a long walk later today and talk to God about whatever it is that is stressing you out. Patience strengthens with pruning. So we have to allow a little bit of pruning in our life. I want to move to the last tip that Jesus gives us to produce the fruit of patience that we all desire. It's kind of hidden there in verse 3. Let me read it for you. He says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Jesus throws in this beautiful sentence. It kind of wrecked me when I saw it, when I was studying for this message. Because we always think like we're in process and we have so far to go. And what Jesus is saying here is that we already have everything we need to prune the dead branches and grow the fruit inside of us. And everything we need is found in the message of Jesus's love and forgiveness for us. So what he's suggesting that we do is believe that the fruit is inside of us and that it will grow. Let me just tell you, in case no one has reminded you lately, maybe you've gone all summer, and no one has reminded you that God is crazy about you, that he loves you so much, that he sent his son Jesus to come here to earth, that Jesus lived a perfect life, teaching, preaching, healing, loving, accepting people, caring for them. And then he died a gruesome death on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. And when he did that, he freed us all from the bondage of sin in our life. He freed us from the death that we would all have to face if he hadn't done that. But then he didn't stay dead. He rose three days later, proving that nothing has control over him and promising us forever eternal life 
that actually doesn't start the moment you die. It starts the moment you make a decision to follow Jesus and you begin walking with him and that eternal life starts then and then it goes on and on into forever. And what he promises us from that is forever victory over all the things that we face in our life. We already have the victory. We have patience. It's in there if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you have been battling it for years and you're like, this isn't going anywhere, I want you to start believing today that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he certainly can grow that patience fruit in you. And he certainly can grow it in me as well. Maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. I sound crazy to you. (laughs) But when I tell you that God offers you forgiveness and freedom and fruit, that sounds pretty good to you today, then today would be a great day for you to make a decision and just pray and say to God, I want to follow you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you've been following him for a while, but you don't even believe that any kind of fruit is still existing inside of you. You just haven't seen it in a while. Maybe you think the people around you haven't seen it in a while. And today, you just need to say to God, like, I know it's in there. (laughs) I want to reconnect to the vine so it can grow again. And some of you have branches that need pruning, and you just know it. You're like, oh, man, I've got some branches. (laughs) And today, you just need to commit to that. Before you leave here today, I want you to believe that patience is a fruit that we can grow. And I hope you'll think about what Paul said, that it's a battle, waging war inside of us. But then I hope you also will remember what Jesus said, that the battle can be won simply through our connection to him. And just for fun, I thought it would be fun to just challenge you to pick one, just pick one thing before you leave here that will change As I prayed earlier, I don't think we should come and hear from God's word and then leave out those doors and be the same. We should be different. So for for yourself, what do you need to do? Today, do you want to place your faith in Jesus for the first time? Or maybe just recommit to that faith? Maybe you want to make a commitment to spending your two to three minutes or your nine minutes of snoozing, (laughs) reconnecting or connecting to Jesus every single morning this week. Or maybe you need to make a plan to prune a branch that's weighing you down. My challenge for you is to just choose one of those so that we all can leave here assured that this is going to be a much more patient place come next Sunday morning. Let me pray for you. God, it is so hopeful. Your word is so full of hope. I'm grateful for that. And We believe that it's true that you have planted patience inside of us who've decided to follow you. And we want to see more of it. And we know that we can't muster up more of it. We need you to do that in us. And so we pray that you would help us to connect to you every day this week, that you would give us wisdom about how to prune branches, and that you would guide someone in this room today into a relationship with you for the first time. We think you're so great. It's so fun to follow you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.